Would you pray with me, please? Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you so, so much. Lord, we know we are your children, and it delights you to take care of us. We realize we cannot do anything in ourselves. We didn't create ourselves. We can't sustain ourselves. We ask you to keep us aware of that. Keep us humble in your sight so that we can look to you for all provision. And we can make our requests known to you with thanksgiving. That we can open our hearts to your great generosity, knowing that it delights you to help, help us and to help us to help others. Lord, we ask you to speak to us today. We need to hear from you every day. This day is no different. You've been ministering to us throughout this service. We ask that you continue to do so. We thank you and we bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, God bless you, brothers and sisters. What a pleasure it is to be home, to be with you in the house of the Lord. I just want to talk to you today on the topic, a new vision, a new vision. And if you don't mind, would you turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Mark? And we're just going to read a couple of verses of Scripture from the 8th chapter. The Gospel according to Mark, the 8th chapter, beginning to read at the 22nd verse. And we're going to read down, I think, to about the 24th, somewhere thereabouts. It says, Then he came down to Bethsaida, and they brought him a blind man, and he begged him to touch him. So he took the blind man by the hand, and led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes, he laid hands on him and asked him, do you see anything? And he said, I see men, but they're like trees walking. Then he put his hand on his eyes again and made him look up. And he was restored and saw everyone clearly. So what we see happening here is Jesus touching a person once and giving them vision. So he goes from no vision to vision. And then he touches him again and he gives him a new vision. He gives him clarity of vision. Now, obviously, year 2020, we have to talk about vision, right? We, we can't let that go by. I mean, I'm usually, you know, not the kind of person that preaches occasional messages, but I can't let that go by. I just got to, right? Okay, so here's the situation. As Christians, we always want Christ to not only give us a vision, that is to say a perspective that reflects God's own heart, but we want that vision to be clarified from time to time because we live in a world that has a tendency to dull our vision or to dull in our perspective. We want to be careful to not lose sight of what God has called us to, not lose sight of who God has called us to be, not lose sight of who God is and so on and so forth. So we ask God every now and again to 
strengthen our faith because we walk by faith and not by sight. And we ask God to help us to see things for what they really are. Now, for us as Christians, we have a very particular gift. That is, we can actually see the invisible. Now, by definition, the invisible can't be seen, right? But for us, because we walk by faith and not by sight, we can see things that the natural person simply can't see. And that's because God has given us a special vision. He's given us a special touch, which is, allows us to see not just 2020, but to go beyond that, where we can see the invisible. Now, look at the situation with this person that Jesus is healing. At first, he has no vision whatsoever. Then he has clouded vision. And then he has clear vision. He has clarity. Now, when he has clarity, my, sus my suspicion is the very first thing that he sees is Jesus, right? Now, when we think about seeing the invisible, the very first thing that I think about is seeing God, right? Because as Christians, we can see God. Not that we see God physically, because God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. That means that we see God in a very special way. Now, when you look at the text of Scripture, sometimes it talks about certain people seeing God face to face, and then it defines that. It says that Abraham, for instance, or Moses, for instance, saw God face to face. It says the same thing about Jacob when he wrestled with the Lord, and he called the name of that place Peniel, the face of God, because they had befriended God. They were friends of God. It would say, Abraham sees God face to face, talks with him face to face the way a man talks with his friend. Or he said, you know, sometimes I speak to prophets in visions and in dreams, but that's not the case with Moses. Moses, I speak to face to face because there's a friendship going on there. And then Jesus says about us, about his disciples, I'm no longer simply calling you servants. Now understand to be a servant of God is the highest honor up until that point. It is the highest honorific. There is no higher title. Moses was called the servant of the Lord. David, the servant of the Lord, so on and so forth. So when we're called servants of the Lord. It's a wonderful thing, but he says, I'm not simply calling you servants anymore. I'm calling you friends. So what he's saying is, because you know what I'm doing, because you understand who I am, you understand my ways, you're not simply following my orders, you're not simply doing what I say, you understand why I say it. You understand my heart. You understand what motivates me. Because you have the mind of Christ. Because you have the indwelling spirit, you can actually see God. And understand, because God is spirit, the only way to see God is with the eyes of faith. With the eyes of the spirit. I mean, when we get to heaven, of course, we're going to see 
the manifest second person of the Godhead. We're going to see the man, Christ Jesus, who is fully human, fully divine. But as far as the eternal Godhead, we see the eternal Godhead now, the way we will see him then, only in those days, there'll be no flaws, there'll be no errors in our understanding. Now we still have to grow in our understanding, but we still see God. Because we know how, based on the Holy Scriptures, and based on the Holy Spirit, and based on the witness of Christ, and based on our own teaching one another and strengthening one another, to address God in a way that pleases God. This is why God said, you know, we just, we just heard in the song, there's nothing that's going to be denied you, be denied you. But according to the scripture, that is the case when we ask in his name, when we ask according to his character. So for us to see God simply means that we are addressing God as God. And it means that we get to see God for who he is in our generation. So it's not an abstract picture of God. It's a picture of who God is in our generation. That's why you'll see in the Bible times and time again when God will reveal himself sometime, as we sang earlier, as Jehovah Rapha and Jehovah Nisi and Jehovah Jireh and so on and so forth because it's not that he changes, but he's manifesting himself in different circumstances and in different communities and in different generations, right? So we get to see God enthroned in this generation. And it's not easy to do because the world would suggest to us that God is no longer in authority. But for those of us who are in the body of Christ... We can see God even in a world that's telling us that God has passed on. We can see the hand of God in a so-called post-Christian society. Brothers and sisters, let me remind you, there is no such thing as a post-Christian society. These are the last days. There is no post this day, this is it. This is the final time. This is the time of Christ. And this time goes on forever. It's going to change, don't get me wrong. But the kingdom of God has come. And the kingdom of God goes on forever. There is no post-Christian society because there is nothing after Christ. And as long as we still see Christ as king, and as long as we still see God as seated on the throne, as long as we still know that the heavens are his throne and the earth is his footstool, as long as we are reminded that God created the earth and that God sustains the earth, that everything ultimately will bow down to God. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. That he sits as king of the flood. He sits above the circle of the earth. As long as we understand these realities, that means that we see God. We can see him in our hard times. 
We can see him in our good times. We can see him when the news is bad and when the news is good. We can see him when men and women would try and convince us that he does not exist. And we can see him when we are in a setting where men and women are praising him and worshiping him. And it doesn't matter where we are. You can see God as clearly, for instance, on Monday as you do on Sunday. When you're in a situation where everybody's giving glory to God, you can see him. And when you go to the job where nobody is giving glory to God, you can still see him. Hallelujah. Because that's what happens when Jesus touches us and gives us sight. But not only that, I want to suggest to you that when we see the invisible, then we can also see into what the Bible sometimes calls the heavenlies, the invisible realm. Give you an idea. Remember the Bible talks about a certain person who is coming under attack. And an army is coming against him and one of the prophets of the Lord. And the prophet of the Lord seems pretty strong and pretty secure, but he's a little bit afraid. And he begins to say, how are we going to fight against this group that's coming against us? And the prophet, the prophet Elisha, basically prays to God and says, God, open his eyes that he can see that there are more with us than there are with them. Hallelujah. And all of a sudden, his eyes are open. And he looks around all the hills and all the mountains, and they are covered with angels, covered with God's people, covered with an army. He was able to look into the invisible realm and realize that he does not walk alone. That there is power working on his behalf. That there is an army marching with him. That he is never fighting this battle in his own strength. Never fighting this battle for his own purposes. There is a much greater cause there is a much greater army. There is a much greater victory. There is much more at stake. Every time you and I engage in the daily life that we live, we don't realize that we are a part of a great relay, a part of a great army, a part of a great family, a part of a great heritage. And everything that we do, the name of the Lord is attached to and his backing is with us all the time. He moves with us all the time. We can begin to realize that we have protection under every circumstance. It's a wonderful thing to move from place to place. And in your mind's eye, you can see the angels of the Lord walking alongside you.
Praise God. I don't have much of a choice. Either my nose is going to run or my mouth is going to be entirely dry. Because I take this, um, this uh, what do you call this, allergy relief to dry my, my, my nose and stuff. But it's indiscriminate. It dries everything. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, here we go. So, <laughs> so, so anyways, to know, especially in a city like New York, right? To know as you walk down the street that God is with you and that the angels of God are protecting you. Hallelujah. That God is keeping you every single step of the way. We can see the invisible. And so we don't walk in fear. And that's another thing that we have to remind ourselves of. When we look into the invisible realm, we can uncover the lie of the devil. See, we don't just see the protection of the angels but we can clearly uncover the deception of the devil. We can see exactly where his lies are. Every time you ask yourself whether or not you're under attack of the enemy, sometimes you'll say, is this my flesh or is this the devil or whatever the case might be? Here's the best way to figure it out. Always ask yourself, where is the lie? So if it's from the enemy, it will always be accompanied by a lie, right? So, and the lie is always going to ultimately be about God. It's not going to be about you ultimately. It's going to be about God ultimately. So whenever you're asking yourself, is this an attack of the enemy? First thing you're going to say, or if you say to yourself, this is an attack of the enemy, then you have to ask yourself this question. Where is the lie? What is the lie that the devil is using? Right? And, and then ask yourself, what is he trying to say to me about God that's not true? You see what I'm saying? Because to have that kind of vision, that kind of insight will protect you from almost every kind of attack. You, you see what I'm saying? I, I'll, I'll give you an example. Let's just say you're going through a, a particular struggle. Let's just say it's it's medical, let's say, right? Okay, so um, medical struggle, we don't attribute to the enemy. We simply say it's a part of the fall, it's part of life. No biggie. But what if there is this lie that accompanies it that says God has forgotten you. God can't protect you. Or God promised you you would never get sick and now you're sick. Or you must not have enough faith. You must not be believing God the right way. God must be mad at you. God must be punishing you. That's the attack of the devil. You see what I'm saying? The sickness is not the attack of the devil. It's the lie that says God is punishing you. God is mad at you. Remember in Deuteronomy, it says the people of God are not going to suffer the diseases of the people of the world. So if you're suffering a disease and you're a person of God, you don't have to worry about whether or not God is mad at you. The people of the world suffer diseases as a result of wrath in some cases. But the people of God will suffer diseases because we are not exempt or immune from the results of the fall. We will be. Ultimately, every Christian will be healed, right? But not on this side of eternity. Some of us will be miraculously healed on this side of eternity. 
Some will be medically healed on this side of eternity. Pretty much all day, every day, there's some regeneration going on, right? So all of us are being healed on some level or another. I mean, our body's fighting off germs all the time. But some healings won't happen until that side of eternity when we're glorified. But that's up to God. That's up to God's discretion. But I'm not going to allow myself to believe a lie from the devil that's telling me I'm suffering the wrath or the curse of God when Deuteronomy 28 tells me I don't have to worry about that. You see what I'm saying? So you have to ask yourself, and I have to ask myself all the time, if I'm thinking that this is an attack on the enemy, my question is always, where is the lie? Find the lie and then find out what is he saying about God that's not true. And that is how you overcome the attack of the enemy. This is how we see. You understand what I'm saying? This is something that God has given us, the capacity to know the devices of the enemy, to not be ignorant of his devices according to the Holy Scriptures. So we look into the heavenlies and we can see the protection of the holy angels. We can see that God is looking out for us all the time, that he's protecting us all the time. But protection is not the same as exemption. Protection is not the same as absolute and total immunity. It only means that we can take victory even in times of struggle. And ultimately we can win, but the main victory we're going to have is we are not going to believe the lies of the devil in the process of our struggle. We're not going to be overcome by the lie of the enemy as we go through what we have to go through. So what if I believe the lie of the enemy as I go through my struggle? Well, the first thing he's going to tell me is you can't go to God because God is tired of you. God is exasperated with you. God is sick and tired of you saying, I'm sorry. God is sick and tired of you failing in this and failing in that or ebbing in your faith and he's tired of hearing it. So what does that mean? That means I got to do it in my own strength. And there I am, trying to get it right so that I can prove to God how serious I am. See? That's a lie. That's an attack of the enemy. So what you and I do is we allow God to give us a vision into the heavenlies. And we say, I don't believe that to be true about God. It's not I don't believe that to be true about myself. The issue is not whether or not I'm a failure. The issue is whether or not God loves me. The issue is whether or not God accepts me. The issue is whether or not God can help me, whether or not God can heal me, whether or not God can strengthen me, whether or not God can empower me, whether or not God can grow me, whether or not God can glorify his name in me, whether or not God can cause Christ to be formed in me, whether or not the Holy Spirit indwells me, whether or not God's promises are true for me, whether or not I'm going to be with God forever, whether or not the scripture is true that says now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, whether or not that's true. The question is, who is God and what is he like? Because I want to be able to see God and I want to be able to see into the heavenlies. And that comes with a touch from God, right? Right? But then I also want to be able to see, if I'm going to see the invisible, 
then I want to be able to see the inner man. I want to know who I am. I've never once looked into the mirror and said, that's me. That's a part of me. But that's not all that there is to me. I don't see myself as a soul who just happens to have a body. I see myself as a bipartite human being. I'm both physical and spiritual. And both are very important. What I do with my body obviously means a lot to God. It is his temple. But that's not all that there is to me. There's an invisible part of me. And that invisible part of me, I want to be able to see as well. Because pretty much everything that I do with the visible part of me originates in the invisible aspects of who I am. So the more I know what I'm like, the more I understand why I do what I do. Right? Because I've found that when God is helping me over an issue, he doesn't just come and kind of wave his hand over it and say, from now on you're free. I'm already free because I'm already a Christian. What he wants to do is convince me of that freedom. So he's going to say to me, why are you still convinced that you're bound? Let's talk about it. Let's find out what's in there that's telling you something that's not true. Now that's different from the lie of the enemy. In some cases, it's memories. It's being conformed to the past, thinking that you are what you were, even though you're no longer that. And amen. And sometimes we don't want to think about that. We don't want to see that. And what the Holy Spirit does is he allows us to see it, but to, to see it incrementally, little by little, right? Not so much that it overwhelms us. Because the Bible says the heart is wicked above everything, right? Now, I know we, we're born again and we're changed. But what the Bible tells us is sometimes we can't even understand our own heart, right? So God takes us by the hand and he kind of walks us through it. Now, that's the hard part. That's the hard part. That's the one that nobody really wants to talk about, right? You know what I mean? Because they look like, well, we're, we're spiritual people. We don't need to hear, you know, Christian psychology. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. And, and, and so do I. We need to know what in the world is going on in here. Otherwise, we're just going to keep doing the same thing over and over and over and over and over again, right? And God will walk us through it. And he'll say, listen, for some reason you believe that you're free here, and you are, and you believe that you're free here, and you are, and you, you believe that you're free here, but over here, somehow, you still believe that you're still that same little kid. Right? That same person has been lied to from the time you were this age, and so on and so forth, and you still believe that lie, and you don't have to believe it anymore. Right? So we need to be able to see ourselves, but not in our own strength. See, if you and I look into a mirror... We're going to see one thing. You know, we'll see, you know, some good, some bad. We'll see, you know. But say you were looking into the eyes of somebody who truly, truly loves you. You're still going to see your reflection. But it's not some cold, flat reflection that has no compassion, no sympathy, no love, no patience. No kindness. 
when you look into the eyes of God, that's why we have to be able to see God. When you look into the eyes of God, you're going to see yourself. You're going to see your reflection in his eyes. But that's not all you're going to see. You're going to see his love for you. You're going to see his mercy toward you. You're going to see his compassion. You're going to see his patience. You're going to see his tenderness. You're going to see the fact that he wants to walk with you. He's not going to leave you. He's not going to forsake you. He's going to take you through it so that you walk in victory. The victory that's already yours because of what Christ did on Calvary. But another thing I want you to recognize when you look inside, you're going to see something else. You're going to see imperceptible growth. You know what I mean by that? I mean, we, we, we're on a planet that's moving really, really fast, right? But the movement is imperceptible. Growth in the Christian is sometimes imperceptible. Because we're sometimes so concerned with our weaknesses that we don't even recognize our victories. We don't even recognize our growth. And the cool thing about being honest with yourself is you don't just see where you need to grow, you see where you are growing. You see where you're developing. And God is not shy with compliments. Believe me, he's not shy with compliments. He will tell you all day, every day, how much you're growing and how much he loves you. I think sometimes, brothers and sisters, I think sometimes we don't give God the benefit of the doubt. Sometimes we think he's always mad at us. You know, even, even us, even us who walk in new covenant and walk in freedom, sometimes I think we think that God is always mad at us, right? And if he's not mad at us, then he's certainly not enthusiastically happy with us, right? He's just kind of like, you know, I'm not mad, but you know, just kind of watch it now. Watch it. You know what I mean? <laughs> but I think God is enthusiastically happy with us. I mean, we're, look at where we are. We could be anywhere right now. We could be sitting anywhere. We could be sitting among the scornful. We could be walking among the wicked. We could be anywhere right now. Here we are. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> that matters to God. It matters to him that we're doing what we can. We're trying our best to be what he's making us to be. We're, we're doing what we can. And you and I don't know how much we grow. You know how it is. You, you, you have, if you have, you know, grandchildren, children, you know, sometimes you don't see them for a little while. And when you see them, you, you lift them up and you embrace them and you tell them how much they've grown. And they look at you with incredulity like, I haven't grown. I'm the same size as I was. I was, I was telling my little daughter how much she could grow. I can tell my little daughter, she's like 16 now, right? She's about this tall, and so, right? You know, I keep telling her how much she's grown, and she keeps denying it. She still thinks she's short. She, she won't, I mean, I don't care how many times I tell her she's grown. She's like, no, I'm still the same size, you know, because she wants to be tall. She wants to be tall like ivory or whatever. She, she does. She always says that. She says, I want to be tall as ivory, you know. So, you know, but, but the thing is, she, she won't, you know, she won't acknowledge how much she's grown. 
And I think that's the thing with us as Christians, right? God is always trying to tell us how much we've grown. And we keep thinking, I haven't grown. I haven't grown. I'm the same person. I haven't done this. I haven't done that. It's just not true, brothers and sisters. Our growth might sometimes be imperceptible, but you have to be able to see the invisible. You have to be able to see the imperceptible. You have to be able to see it because you have to be able to celebrate growth. Right? If you're going to be honest about where you need to grow, then you have to be able to celebrate where you have grown. You have to be able to rejoice in God. Amen. Remember, you know, the Bible says the joy of the Lord is your strength. You know, it's not enough for us, you know, to mourn over where we want to, where we want to grow. We need to rejoice in where we have grown. And, and then finally, I want to suggest to you that we want to be able to see the invisible and that we want to be basically to maintain the heritage of this church, which is we have always reached out to the people that nobody else notices, to the people that nobody else cares about, the invisible people. The Bible says in Corinthians that God calls those who are not. Right? Jesus said, when you've done these wonderful things to the least person, you've done them to me. Talking about feeding them and clothing them and so on. We want to be able to see the invisible. The people that society have forgotten. The people who have no one. Around this time of year, they really feel it. Around this time of year, it gets really difficult. I spent, as most of you know, years living in the street around Christmas. It gets really lonely. You know, you try to ignore the days, but you can't. You know, but it's that way with a lot of people, even if they're not living in the street. Sometimes they have families, but they still feel like they're all alone. To see the invisible, right? I mean, there are people sometimes struggling and suffering right in front of us. You know, some of whom are contemplating suicide. They're right, sitting right across the table from us sometimes. And we need God to give us vision. To see the invisible. To see the thing that they're trying to hide. Right? To see the pain that they're trying to make over. Ask God to give us vision. To see the invisible. Because this church is known for that. I mean, we're known for a few things. We're known as a people of prayer and so on and so forth. We're known for a people who somehow are able to perceive what most people just overlook. If God gives us the vision to see the ones who are trying to hide or the ones who nobody cares about or the ones who, in a sense, time has forgotten, then I think this church will always prosper. And I believe that that's always been our heart. It's my heart. I, I, I know it's Pastor Carter's heart. I know 
it's Pastor Teresa's heart. I know it was Pastor Wilkerson's heart. I know it's Jesus's heart. Pastor Patrick's heart. The elder's heart. I know it. I know it's your heart. I know it. And I think if we continue to find the invisible person, to see the invisible person, to reach out to the invisible person, then we'll always be Town Square Church. We'll always make a difference in this generation. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. I want to pray with you this morning. And I say with you, I mean literally, because I want to pray for me as well as for you. And, and just ask God to touch our eyes again and to renew our vision. Because I know we have vision and I know we see. But every now and again, we just need a new touch, a fresh touch. So that God can be glorified again in the earth. Let's stand together in the house of the Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Now you might be saying in your heart, I really, I really want to get a clearer vision of God and I, I, I want to be able to understand his word in a new way. I want to be able to see him in everyday life in a different way. I want to be able to see him and my brothers and my sisters in a new way. Or you may say, I just want to be able to see deeper into the heavenlies. I want to know that I'm protected, that I'm not walking alone. And I want to uncover the lies of the enemy so that I'm not being led to and fro by every wind or by any wind. I just want to know the truth. Or you might say, I just want to be a bit more honest with myself. Not just with my struggles, but with my victories. I, I, I don't want to be unaware of how I'm developing. Or you might say, I, I want to be in a position where I can walk down the streets in New York or be on my job or at school or even at home. And maybe I can see that invisible person or that invisible pain, that invisible need. You want to touch from God a new vision. And I'm going to invite you to come to the front of this auditorium. And we're going to pray together in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. You can begin to come. We'll sing some songs together, and then we'll pray together in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Praise God. Glory to his holy name. I just want to, um, before we pray together, I was chatting with the Lord for a moment or two, and I just want to remind you 
If there's any person here who feels invisible, you feel like nobody knows that you're, that you're alive, or you feel like even if they know it, it doesn't seem like they care, you feel like you're not making a difference, or nobody would miss you if you weren't here. I want to remind you that no matter what you do before, ask yourself, where is the lie? That's a lie. Because there's somebody who loves you. Remember I told you before, first ask yourself, where's the lie? Then ask yourself, what is that lie saying about God? You see, God loves you for real. I'm not saying he's the only one that loves you. But I'm saying you can be absolutely certain that at least somebody loves you. God loves you. And if you want proof, just look to the cross. Praise God. Praise God. You're not alone. You heard Pastor Patrick earlier. There are ways to get involved. Ways to get to know some people. Don't leave this place feeling as though you're invisible. Because you're not. And I want to advise every person here. Shake somebody's hand before you leave. Um, somebody that you, maybe somebody that you haven't met. Just make sure that nobody walks out of here feeling invisible. Okay? Take your time and do that. Before you walk out the door, take somebody's hand. Bless them in the Lord. Make sure that nobody walks out of this place without feeling like they matter. Let's pray together. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we do thank you so, so much. Thank you that you have given us a fresh touch, a new vision. Lord, we know that to be able to see God, to be able to see into the heavenlies, to be able to see ourselves honestly and to be able to see the invisible person is part of the heritage of being a Christian. It's what makes us who we are. But we thank you that this church, as a local assembly, has always had a wonderful vision. We thank you for Pastor Carter and the vision that he casts in this house week after week. A vision based on the Holy Scriptures, a vision based on the Word of God, the power and the presence of God. We're asking that each one of us as individuals just recognize the part that we play. So that as a body, we can continue to make a difference. Lord, I pray you lay your hand upon each one here. 
that you strengthen each one. You do something wonderful in each one of us, oh Jesus. Causing us to see even more clearly than we've seen up until this point. Help us to see the invisible. The scripture says that you, God, are the king, immortal, eternal, invisible, the only wise God. And that you dwell in a light, unapproachable, but you have allowed us to gaze into your beauty, to look upon the face of Christ. Help us, oh Jesus, by that light, by that light, to see into the heavenlies, to understand that we do not march alone. And to help us to uncover every lie of the enemy. Help us, Lord, by that light to look into our own hearts with objectivity. But to recognize that we are loved, deeply loved. And then help us to see those who have become invisible in our generation. Help us, oh God. And we will thank you. And bless you. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. 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 God bless you, brothers and sisters. Love you very, very much. Look forward to seeing you soon. Amen.